man, during the worship time, I just, I felt like I was getting a, a, a small picture of heaven. Did you? I believe that's where we're headed. He's enthroned on the praises of our people doesn't mean that when we're praising him, he's suddenly enthroned. He already is enthroned. It's just when we're praising him, we actually get to enjoy a part of where he is already enthroned. Do you think about him being enthroned? You know, Isaiah was shocked when he saw him enthroned. He was shocked even though he was the, the uh, prophet of God. When Uzziah died after serving over 50 years as king, everybody was in a bit of a turmoil and, and were in shock. And it was at that stage in Isaiah 6, it says that Isaiah saw the Lord. That's when he saw him. He'd been a prophet for all this time and hadn't seen him. But he saw him. In the day that Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up. You know, sometimes those things that are idols in our life crowd out our ability to see the Lord. Josiah likes to quote uh, Jack Taylor in saying that if there's something you have to check with, somebody or something you have to check on before you say yes to God's kingdom, then that might be an idol. Is our yes simply yes to him? You know, I was thinking today at one point this morning, I thought, Lord, are you going to do something new today that will mean that we don't do, do what we normally do? How many of you have been praying for God to do something new? Have you been praying that? Do you know for him to do something new might mean that we're going to have to stop doing something old? <laughs> they just hit me this morning. That, that we can actually get caught in what I would call righteous ruts. Doing something that we thought that was good when we began and we just stay in those ruts. Now the alternative of not being in righteous ruts could mean that you go into some unrighteous ruts. If that's the case, stay in your righteous ruts. But there is a higher calling. I believe that is to be able to hear the voice of the Lord in the midst of the journey. That's God's heart for us. So I was asking that question and I began to ponder, is it today that you would have us do something different? And I began to say, Lord, what else could we do differently? And one thought came to me and I began to ponder that and I thought, wow, this is something we could all get in on and pray into and before I'd really gotten that thought carried out, there was a check that came that if we went that way, rather than being agreeing in, in prayer, we might be fighting each other. Because, have you noticed that? The polarization has happened not just in the world, but in the body of Christ today. So hear me, hear, it, it, this was the thought that came to me. Rather than leading us into that point, I'm not even going to discuss what it is, because even if I throw it out there, I think that some might be going, I wonder where he was going to go with that, because if he was going this way, I'm, not a, I'm again that. There's so many things in the body of Christ that are peripheral that we could pray into, that we need to pray into, but the problem is Jesus is not being seen as Lord from the beginning. 
And so instead of addressing it from heaven's perspective, we address it from our fleshly perspective and our desires. And rather than standing in agreement, we end up fighting with each other. So I felt like the Lord just checked me on that and said, no, don't go there. I will ask this one question. You know, some have said that our Sunday mornings are, used to say that they were more like a small group. Well, I guess that's true. We have, compared to some gatherings in the city or in the area, this would be considered a smaller group. But they said, no, the, 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 what was said was that the, the atmosphere was more of a small group, kind of like we're sitting in a living room. I want to tell you, I value that. I actually wish that this was more like a living room atmosphere. In fact, I wish that this was more like a journey on the road atmosphere. Jesus did teach in the temple, but his primary place of teaching his disciples and training them was on the way in the journey on the road when things would come up. We have codified our Christianity, and we have just had a thought. I've thought about churchianity, and I've thought about brickiology. <laughs> but you know what you put bricks together with? What do you put? I've already put some of you to sleep. What do you put bricks together with? Yeah. I was thinking about mortifyology or mortifyianity. <laughs> it's, all, it's all death, really. Right? So let's, let's go to the living room. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says when the early church got together, together <clears throat> they brought um, everyone prophesied. And as a result, those that were ungifted or unbelievers would fall down on their face and worship God saying, oh my, <laughs> he really is, he is. Right? Because they're mail was read. The secret of their hearts were disclosed. So I'm going to just open this up for just a minute. And I want you to think, what has God been saying in this past week to you? And if you can summarize it in two words, that's great. Okay? If you can't do it in two words, do it in a phrase, at the most a sentence, because I do have some things to say, and I do think that that's a rut that we need to get back into today. It may not happen someday. All right? So if you can summarize what God's been saying to you in two words, maybe a phrase, at the most a sentence, I'm going to give you a chance to speak it out right now. What's been? What? Keep going. Intimacy. Sorry? Recognizing the Holy Spirit in your life. I am with you. I am with you. Keep praying. Wow. Hope and kingdom advancement. In the beginning, new beginnings. Who said that? There you go. New beginnings. Thank you. Jesus is your hero. Man, this is good. 
Perseverance. Be the light in a dark world. Well, I already feel better. Do you? I didn't know I felt bad until I heard all that. That makes me feel a whole lot better. (laughs) Let's turn to Psalm chapter 16, and let's just look at this passage here. That's where we're going to be today. You know, in the the past two weeks, I've, I've actually gotten to preach two times in a row. Today will be the third time in a row, and I think I'm supposed to be preaching next Sunday. Is that right? I think so. Yep, so four times in a row. We actually value not having me up here every time because, it's not because I don't have something to say, but because we really believe in the multiplicity of leaders and we believe in the fivefold equipping ministry. And so we want to have that modeled from up front. Um, so, um, but as it works out, I get to preach today. I was thinking that I was going to continue on with what, The question has been the last two Sundays, and that is uh, the Jesus culture. What is our culture here at New Horizons? In preparation for the financial meeting we had a couple of weeks ago and in preparation for the newcomer's time today. But y'all did so well last Sunday that I got it all finished. We finished my whole thing. Won't even go through the acronym that we had. But... um, I have still continued all of that came out of Acts chapter 2. And there's a connection with Psalm 16 in Acts chapter 2 that I've only just seen here recently. The middle of this week, Psalm 16 came to me. Someone sent me a, a devotion, and one verse was in that devotion. It was the last verse of Psalm 16. And, boy, just recognize whenever you do something like that to me, you can wreck my whole day. Like, that wrecked my whole week. I've been in Psalm 16. That's taken me in so many different directions. And I have, uh, I'm consumed with Psalm 16 and the ones, the verses that are associated with it. I'll explain a little bit later. Psalm 16, though, came to me in the midst of a situation where I have been struggling with my body. Um, I didn't realize how much of my body was not working properly until I dislocated my jaw went to the doctor, and the doctor and then the physical therapist said, the reason you dislocated your jaw is not because Debbie hit you in the jaw, but because, and she didn't hit me in the jaw, by the way, probably should have a few times, but, but, but it was because of the tension that was in my shoulders and my neck, and that was all I'm finding out is related to my back and even my lower back, and y'all, things are coming to life in my body, and it's great, And it's bad at the same time. It's kind of like what I see from some of the men that have been working out with y'all, Josh. Uh, uh, You know, angry faces and dang, Josh. Uh, When you're working out something that hasn't been working, sometimes it affects you in a negative way as you're going in the positive, right? And so what's been happening in my neck has actually affected nerves in my head. And I'm going, wow, I didn't even know I had those nerves in my head. And in some ways, it's kind of put me in a little bit of a daze. And it's not bad. Psalm 16 came into the midst of all of that. Let's read the whole psalm. won't take long. Psalm 16, I'm reading from the the, uh, Holman Christian Bible. 
and I'm going to even read the, the, titles, the title of it uh, before it gets to the verses. It's actually there. You'll see it in the other translations too. Psalm 16, confidence in the Lord. A Davidic miktam. I spent two days on that one word, miktam. Verse 1, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God to themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my conscience instructs me. I keep the Lord in mind always because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my spirit rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. Y'all, what a powerful psalm. In this, we're going to see a request that David makes and then some statements that he makes. But I want to tell you, at the very heart of this, is Yahweh, the Lord, being Lord, Adonai. Is Yahweh your Adonai today? If he is, it will change the way that we pray. By the way, it's, 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 it's okay to actually cry out to God from the very beginning. You know, being the exhorter that I am, I often see the positive in every situation and don't quite quickly see the negative and see the challenges there. So I often tell people that are crying and struggling that go to God with their struggle, but start with thanksgiving and praise. I often do that. It can actually be a bit uh, harsh saying that. And I'm admitting something that's not good today. Because we see here in the psalm, and we often see in the psalm, it begins with a cry. It's a cry of desperation. So I'm not telling you today to start out with thanksgiving. If you're struggling with something, let your struggle be known to, to the one that can do something about it. Not just externally, but internally. Because that's where the work happens. David cried out to the Lord, protect me. Another version says, preserve me. Why would you say preserve me? Because the reason that you would say preserve me is because you are feeling that you're not going to be preserved. There is a problem. There is a struggle. Let's go back to the word miktam. Y'all, I found, how many of you know what miktam means? Anybody? Look, Tim, doggone it, I knew that you would. 
my family that have been around me would know what it means because I've been talking about it. I've been consumed with it for several days. But miktam, they would say, is just a, a word that doesn't, some would say, doesn't, we don't really know the background from it. But there, there's Psalm 16 and then there's Psalms 56 through 60 that are all miktams. It has that. There's six places where you find miktams in the, in the Bible. They're in the psalm. You have some expansions of miktam in other places. And y'all, I've chased all those down. I've been in Isaiah. I've been in Exodus. Chasing down miktams. But a miktam, actually, from, if I was going to summarize it, it means an engraving. Some would say an engraving in gold. It means a covering. A protective covering over there, there, there are arguments otherwise, but just trust me, I know I'm right, okay? It's an engraving in gold. All the Psalms of rich are rich, but this one, y'all, is one that's like engraved in gold. It, it's engraved in a pillar. This is a Psalm of David. It's one to stand out there, and it begins with a cry out to God. Have you cried out to God recently? What's been the cry of your heart? He said, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. If you take refuge in him, listen, if we saw God for who he was, everything else would come into order. While we would see things from God's perspective, God's not on his throne wringing his hand. Hands. He has hands. <laughs> he, he, he's not, yeah, it's hard to wring, wring a hand. He's not on his, on his throne wringing his hands. Oh, no, what are we going to do? And he is not shocked or surprised by anything. He doesn't control everything. Some things happen that are outside of his will. But he does rule over those. And if we could see him for who he was, it would shape up everything. So instead of leading us today to pray into some things that we do need to pray into, first of all, I felt the Lord was saying, Call them to see me for who I am. This one is engraved in gold. So in the cry, preserve me or protect me, David makes a statement in verse 2. I said to Yahweh, you are my Lord. Now some of your versions, it will say, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Anybody have a version that says that? little hint there if you look at the first lord and what do you notice that's different between the first lord and the second lord the first lord's all caps whenever if you have that kind of version that says that and even in the holman christian bible it doesn't always say yahweh whenever you find lord and it's in caps it means yahweh so basically what's saying uh, i said to yahweh you are my adonai you are my lord he makes a statement that God is Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, there are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. Listen, any idol, any idol, anything that we have to check with before saying yes to God, any idol in our lives... Yes, it, brings, it can bring some temporary joy. But in the end, it's, it's sorrow. And that will multiply. 
David says, I won't even mention the name of those gods on my lips. But he makes the second statement, and that is verse 5. Lord, you are my portion. A lot of times when we're crying out, we're asking for a portion. And Josiah, I think he quoted Tim, Tim Bowden on this, something about that we, we are talking about our Christianity uh, as if we're boosting up the retirement plan, but we're not talking about the fact that we're recruiting people for war right now. We're in a battle. There are challenges. It does get tough. This life is like a vapor. It's short. Eternity is forever. Putting it, putting it into perspective. But he, the Lord, the things that we would cry out for, Lord, would you take care of this? He actually is the portion. He is the answer to our prayer. It's not the stuff that we're asking for. It's him. So first of all, we need to see the Lord even as Isaiah did. And second of all, we need to realize that the very things that we're asking for can be found fulfilled in him himself. He is our portion. Look what he says, Lord, you, verse 5, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. He is our cup of blessing. What more do you need? Every song we sang today, boom, powerful. By the way, let's pray for New Horizons worship this week. This Saturday, they are going to be opening in a city-wide uh, uh, worship time in Atlanta. They're opening for Jesus culture there. And, and uh, we're so blessed with so many worship leaders and musicians that are part of that team. But y'all, whenever they get on stage, I don't see them. They lead me right to the Lord. Don't they lead you that way? May that happen for you this week in, in Atlanta on, on Saturday night. He is our portion. Verse 6 says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What's, his, what's our inheritance? Him. He is our inheritance. And beautiful places, it's the same word that you find down in at the last uh, uh, verse. And it says that in your right hand are eternal pleasures. It's actually the same word, beautiful places, and, and uh, eternal pleasures. He is the fulfillment of that. Let's jump to verse 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. So there's a statement now. He, we've made three statements so far. First statement is, is that Yahweh is the Lord. Second is that he is our portion. The third is that he is our counselor. Look at verse 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my conscience instruct, instructs me. I keep the Lord in mind always because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Y'all, he's our counselor. He is our counselor. Too often in our religi religiosity, we end up getting mortified. I was talking about righteous ruts before we came out here. And boy, I'm quoting you a lot, Tim. Tim said, my dad always said, that a, 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 a rut is like a grave with no ends on it. When we get into righteous ruts, it actually can be death. Okay? But God's intention for us, especially in the new covenant, is that we have his voice with us. 
How many of you have to be careful around your smartphones? Do you have to? I can lay it on the side and say, are you serious? And that thing will pick up my voice. It knows my voice and says, uh, I'm here. What do you want? I said, I'm not talking to you, Siri. Serious? It'll capture that. How much are we like that with the Lord? He is wanting to be the counsel into, in our ears, into our beings. It's not just the religious righteous ruts which are protecting us from getting into error, but he is wanting to speak to us on a daily basis. He wants to counsel us. It's a statement. Preserve me, Lord. He comes to a conclusion. A statement. He is my counselor. Even at night, y'all, I've gotten to a practice of this. Every night before I go to sleep, I just say, Lord, will you speak, me, speak to me in the night? Last week, I didn't do that. And I woke up to Debbie hitting me. She almost dislocated my jaw. <laughs> she was hitting me. She's going, Johnny, wake up. And I went, what? She said, you're yelling. And I went, I sure was, wasn't I? I was going, hey, something was going wrong. Whatever it was was not good. And I just went, hey. And she said, Johnny, wake up. Do you pray at night and ask God to speak to you? Josiah and Monica have a great illustration of this. Art and Sandy came, came over, came down from Arkansas, Monica's parents, to install two big doors at their house. And Art, in the middle of the night before coming, had a dream in which he saw a beam in the middle of that house that was in the way, a big beam. And he told them about it, and lo and behold, when they took the old door out and installed these two eight-foot-tall, beautiful wooden doors, that he ran into a beam. He had to secure that place, but he'd already thought about it. He wasn't shocked by it. It was hidden, but it was there. How many problems would, could be solved if God was counseling us even in the middle of the night? So my prayer at night is, God, would you bring, your king, bring a greater understanding of your kingdom into my life, even through my dreams? He counsels us even through the night. Wow. Then verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my spirit rejoices and my body also rests securely. Therefore leads us to a place where we know that the next thing that's coming is built on what's already been said. Because he is the Lord, because he is our portion, our counselor, therefore, therefore my heart is glad and my spirit rejoices and my body also rests securely. He's actually answering the cry in the first verse. He was saying, God, protect me, preserve me. And now he's realizing, after seeing God in those places, he's realizing now that he is his protection and there's a, there's a place of peace. Does that mean that things are not going to happen? Oh, yes, they do. That's the reason we need to cry out. And that's the reason we need to see him in those places. But then he takes us to verse 19 and says, this is, it's, this is actually quoted in Acts 2. We've been talking about the Jesus culture in the early church. And what preceded what we looked at in the past two weeks is actually a sermon by Peter out of which 3,000 converts came in that early church. The, the chapter after that prepares us for 5,000 more that came. 
How about having a sermon that 3,000 converts come about? Peter actually quotes from Psalm 16 out of that. He says, for you will not abandon four. So there's a therefore, and now there's a four. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. Uh, in, in, in the Greek, you'll find Hades, place of the dead. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. Decay, decay, to see decay. Oh, boy, I could go there. I'm not going to do it. Lord, restrict my crazy thoughts. But that's quoted in Acts chapter 2 in the middle of Peter's sermon. Peter basically preaches the gospel, the simple gospel, Jesus crucified, buried, and arose. We know that that's it from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when Paul articulates it. Three things, Jesus crucified, buried, and arose. That is what we rally to, that simple gospel, a gospel of grace that doesn't give license to sin and we can rally together in oneness in that, right? Peter says in the midst of his presentation of that gospel, he quotes this and basically says before that, before he quotes it, he says David was a prophet. In Acts 2, he says David was a prophet and he had this to say. And, and this is being fulfilled in the resurrection, Basically, what, what, what was promised David prophetically was by God that out of his own body, his body would die. He would sleep with his fathers. But out of his body would come one, out of his flesh would come one that would set up a kingdom that would be eternal. And he would not allow that body to suffer decay. David's body would, but this one would not. Isn't that a great promise? You know, when, when our bodies die, if you're contemplating whether you're going to go in a coffin or in an urn, whatever's left over in a thousand years is going to be dust, right? But Jesus' body, his clothes were all folded up and nicely set aside at that tomb. His body was gone. It didn't suffer decay. He did go into Hades, the place of the dead, but his body did not suffer Decay. Wow. And this is a fulfillment of a promise to David. The gospel is a fulfillment of the promise to David and leads us to this last statement that David makes in Psalm 16. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy, and in your right hand are eternal pleasures. Y'all, that's the fulfillment of the request that, they, that David made at the beginning. That Jesus, that the Lord God himself was David's pleasure. Is he our pleasure today? Are we consumed in crying out about things that maybe have taken a place that only God should take? Eternal pleasures means that he takes us safely through the battles, through the charge, hardships, through the challenges, and he leads us safely into an eternal place full of joy. You know, occasionally we see heaven invade earth. Y'all, I've prayed for folks that were sick, and they've gotten sicker, more sick. But I have prayed for folks that are sick and they got well. 
I saw a woman who'd been had a stroke four years before and couldn't walk and asked me to pray for her that she could. And I went, oh, Lord, surely there's somebody's got a sore toe or a stomachache or a headache. But I saw that woman get up and walk for the first time in four years. Yeah, praise God. Let me tell you, it wasn't my faith because I was surprised. <laughs> Anytime you're surprised when somebody's healed, just recognize it's not your faith that did it. But sometimes it's our obedience. Sometimes we have not because we ask not. And sometimes people are healed and heaven invades earth and invades our circumstances. But if it doesn't happen here, here's what we can be assured of. That there is a place of eternal blessings. Eternal pleasure. Eternal joy. That's where we're headed. I don't know where you are today. You may be going, you know, I just came to church because... I need to be there because that's what you do. That's a righteous rut, y'all. God played a trick on you because you're not here by coincidence. You're here by God incidents. God set you up for that. Ask him what he wants to say to you today because this could be the shake-up, change-up in your life that will bring you to a place when you cry out to God that you actually see him and receive from him who he is. Why can we not do something different on Sundays and get out of our potential righteous, righteous ruts? Maybe even our righteous ruts have become an idol for us. We pray and ask for something new, but we lock it in. What are you scared of? When you go to a place and you start seeing God's spirit move, you, do you go, oh no, where are they headed now? Can we just say, God, we want you to do what you want to do, right? And trust that that's going to happen. There's some things that we could get out of the righteous ruts, and if I let us into that, we may have some fights in here because we, don't, we question each other outside of those ruts. If, if, if God can be, if Yahweh can be known to us as Lord, all of the other comes into place. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Hmm. I'm not sure that I've done a good job of making this practical to you today. But I tell you, I'm pretty consumed with the concept behind it. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would make that practical for every man, woman, boy, and girl here today. Let our lives be changed by looking at this Psalm 16. This that is lifted up out of other Psalms as one golden Engraving. Let us live there.